We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 283. Oh, boy, Scott. So we recorded last Sunday, and we were hoping the worst-case scenario did not happen, and unfortunately it did, and the Red Sox won. And then they decided to rub it in our faces, so it's been that kind of week for for us and Yankees fans. Yeah, I forgot that uh, until you just said that. I didn't realize that the, uh, the, the final game was, uh, was, was that night, so... That's uh, that's pretty brutal. The um, the Red Sox won the World Series, and there's nothing we could do about it. It's done. It's over with. And now we move on to spring training and looking at everything else. And f the Red Sox. And I kind of like all the things that they're saying to tell you the truth, because it just adds more to rivalry. And uh, I like the rivalry. It's more fun when these teams don't like each other. So I appreciate everybody uh, on the Red Sox side trolling the Yankees because it just adds fuel to the fire. Someone said on Twitter, they tagged me in a tweet, and they they it was the video the next morning of them playing New York, New York in the clubhouse, and then. With what Alex Cora did at the um, the parade, saying we scored 16 runs at Yankee Stadium, suck on that. Yeah. They are obsessed with rubbing this in the Yankees' face. And as much as it sucks that the Red Sox won the World Series, that actually softens the blow a little bit. Because I know the Yankees have real estate in the Red Sox' brains. They made it a priority to troll the Yankees after they won the World Series. You'd think they would just be concerned with winning a championship. No, they had to stick it to the Yankees because they cannot take their eyes off the pinstripes. Yeah, that's fine. It does, it does make it a little bit better. I mean, it still happened, so you know, it, it, doesn't really, it, doesn't, it doesn't really change facts, Trying to make myself feel better, man. Um, the Cora thing, that was, it was a little overblown, his, his comment, because it was more 
directed. If you listen to the whole th- the whole co- uh, quote and the and the context of it, it was actually more directed towards like Boston writers or Boston fans because him talking about people uh, who counted them out. Whatever. Uh, I, I like the narrative. I like the fact that everybody just grabbed that one quote and we take it personally. So that's good. Absolutely. Um, I think the the fact that they they put New York New York in the in the clubhouse afterwards is it's an amazing troll job. But why? Uh, it's that's that's the question I have. Like the fact that they're still doing it, that they are still hung up on them. It was it's, two plus weeks after they beat the Yankees yeah. in the ALDS. I understood it after they beat the Yankees in the division series. Yeah, it makes Fine. sense then. But once you moved on, you beat Houston and then you beat Los Angeles, and you're still doing it. I think it's. I th- it's it's it just proves how how much this these two cities and the the rivalry even when the teams and the players are different it's still there and and they know that they're up against the Yankees and and that's that's their biggest rival no matter what no matter who they're playing no matter what series they're in at the end of the day when the, when the when the calendar turns to the next day it's the Yankees and the Red Sox and i think they realize that and uh and and so they had to give us a little bit of love and I, and I hope the Yankees shove it in their faces. You think Aaron Judge regrets doing that? No, I think he likes it. I think he likes poking the bear, even though it didn't work so? out this time. I, yeah, I do. He's never done that, though. I think quietly, I think he does. I think, I think in, the, in the back, he, he, um, he certainly doesn't regret it, I don't think. I, I would, I would, you I would think see, he would do it again? I, I, think, I don't think he would do it again in public. Not not at this point. I think he would do it after the after uh, after some victories, um, but I think he's you know he made his his move. He did it, you know, doing it again, uh, probably not. Especially after they just won the World Series. So if the it Yankees, really, it wouldn't beat, really work. You think if the Yankees beat the Red Sox in the playoffs next year or win the World Series, we hear Sweet Caroline or Dirty Water or whatever the frick they play up at Fenway Park. I hope not. I really don't want to hear any of those songs uh, associated with any kind of. A you Yankees don't want victory. the Yankees to be thinking about the Red Sox when they're hoisting a. Tra- uh, a tra- I don't want to be thinking about the Red Sox. I don't want to be hearing those songs when I'm when I'm uh, when I'm celebrating a victory. I want to I want to play my songs. I don't want to hear any of the. I certainly don't want to hear Sweet Caroline. I can tell you that much. I definitely don't want to hear the Dirty Water song. These are these are two songs that I do not want to hear. So if I'm a Red Sox fan. Like I don't want to hear New York, New York either. I want to. I would rather hear my songs. I don't know, Red Sox so, fans were loving it. They were. Yeah, they did not hesitate the same boat, to though. tag us in those tweets. This, they, and I fine. get it for the fans' perspective. It's great. That's fine. You know, they um, they the fans. The fans are the where the rivalry obviously starts. Uh, with with everybody trolling each other and, and going back and forth. So, it's all good. I like it. I like the fact that 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 it's that it's happening when we're not even around. It makes me feel it puts a little smile on my face because I I enjoy the hate. So you don't think Judge lost any sleep over this? What about no, you? I Did don't. you lose any sleep over this? Not really, because I had, I think I'd already accepted it. Or, or is it because you have a sleep number bed? A little bit of both. It was a good <laughs> good number good a good number of sleep actually. Good we number. all. We all know sleep is important, but consider someone you know who is in the military or of Vietnam. Uh, or a veteran, sorry. I don't know where I got Vietnam there. Or a veteran. Imagine how much a good night's sleep means to them. From military heroes to everyday heroes, the new Sleep Number 360 smart bed helps everyone get the proven quality sleep that will change their life. Uh, many couples disagree on mattress firmness, but Sleep Number beds let you choose your ideal firmness on each side so you get just the right fit for both of you. Um, Scott, what can our listeners do if they want one of these sleep number beds? Well, first of all, I can tell you that it, it is extremely important to have the, uh, the ideal firmness on your side of the bed, because you don't want to be messing around with your, if your girlfriend or wife or whomever ha- has something that's a little bit different, you don't want to deal with that. Why do you have to, uh, why do you have to, 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 you know, use the same type of bed that they want? Why don't you just, uh, get your own stuff? That's why you got to go to Sleep Number. You got to come in during the Veterans Day sale and save four hundred dollars on a Queen Sleep Number three sixty C four bed. Uh, it's a smart bed. Now it's only twelve hundred and ninety nine dollars. Plus, there's exclusive savings reserved for military and veterans. Sleep Number is the official sleep and wellness partner of the NFL. You'll only find Sleep Number at one of their five hundred and fifty Sleep Number stores nationwide. Visit sleepnumber.com/bronx and find one nearest you. So the big news this week, Brett Gardner is coming back to the Yankees 2019, even though both you and I did not want to bring him back in our GM plans. They bought him out of that $12.5 million option, which we thought was going to happen. 
and they reached a deal worth seven and a half million. So nine and a half million when you add the buyout plus the the new deal for next year, which saves the Yankees three million bucks for next season. And it's also, I think, important to note that the buyout does not count against this yeah. year's luxury tax. It counts against last year's. It's actually I've read that it's spread across the entire years of the contract because it's really on the total value of the contract that he signed four years ago. Does not affect their luxury tax number from last year. Does not affect their luxury tax number from this year. It's not going to push them over anything. Right. Yeah. And that's the beauty of those. It really doesn't affect anything. And that's uh, I guess that's that's why they had to do it. It was they were able to save more money on uh, on this year too. Look, you know, I I thought it was a possibility that they were gonna. One, I definitely thought they were gonna um, not accept that contract because it was just it was too much. I think for for what they were. Um, getting with with Brett Gardner at this point, and I didn't think it was out of the question. I didn't put it in my plans because it's something that I wouldn't have done. Um, I think there's better options out there, and now the fact that Brett Gardner is there, um, look, I, I'm glad he's back. I like Brett Gardner. I think he's still a very valuable player. I think he's a a, a good player. I think he's a, a veteran um, leader in this team. I think he does a lot of very good things. Still, there's no doubt about it. I just don't think. Uh, he, he's getting to a point where he's not going to be an everyday starter all the time anymore. And especially later in the season, when you see him break down, because it's happening, uh, it seems like year after year now, um, and another year older, when, when, when you're looking at a guy who relies so heavily on their legs, this is what happens towards the end of their careers. Like they, they do start to fall off a cliff. Um, we've seen it many times before. And speaking of falling off cliffs, there's another big situation now because Brett Gardner is a, a thousand percent back signed done. Now we have a redundant player potentially with this, uh, with, you know, with the with the man that nobody wants to talk about, but the contract's still in the books. Uh, is is this does this mean that Ellsbury is never coming back, or are we going to have redundancy again? It's, right, it's, it'll be interesting. The Gardner re-signing is it, there's two aspects to it. Number one, like you just said, is the what happens. What does that mean for the rest of the outfielders? And the second is, how much does he play? And I think he could actually play a better role next year than he played this year, assuming players are healthy. So last year, he had to play every day, and we saw him fall off the cliff. In the first half, he slashed 254, 345, 403 with a 106 WRC+. That was better than your average player. In the second half, 209, 288, 316, 66 WRC+. Much worse than your average player. The more he played, the worse he got. So next year, if he's only the fourth outfielder and he only has to play 110 games or 100 games, maybe he can sustain that good play that we saw in the first half for the entire season. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is what happens to the rest of the guys. We want Clint Frazier to play. What happens to Clint Frazier? We we want uh, Stanton to get time in the outfield where he can play right field. He can play left field because that opens up the DH spot. That allows more versatility. What, that's another. Now you have to add another piece to this equation with Gardner and Ellsbury. Is who the hell knows? I I said in my plans I would rely on Ellsbury to do what they're probably going to rely on Gardner to do next year. So so maybe they do just pay Ellsbury to go away. Maybe they fudge some bullshit injury again to uh, to make him just be on the sidelines all year. Who the hell knows? Yeah, the um, I mean, <laughs> it's it just looks to me more and more the fact that they brought him back is is just supporting the fact that I think that they're 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 done with Ellsbury. I just don't see how he could you could bring him back onto this team. He's just he's he's blocking people at this point. Now that you have Gardner back, they're they're a redundant player. You and plus you don't know what you're getting from Ellsbury at all. The man didn't play baseball for an entire year. That's a big deal. Um so I, I just don't see how you could possibly bring him back onto this roster and feel good about your roster and say that, yeah, we've done everything we can to make this team better and to uh, compete for a championship next year. When we know what is, is going to be happening in Boston, like their position players, they're staying pretty damn close to the same. Uh, these guys are coming back and they're going to be just as good. And we're bringing back Ellsbury as a, as a roster spot where they could have gone out and made the team better. I just don't see it happening. If if he does do that, and and that's a real possibility, they got some serious questions to ask. Because um, why would you bring back Gardner if if you were planning on, you know, bringing in Ellsbury as part of the team? It doesn't make sense to me. It, it only makes it doesn't make sense, especially if Frazier is planning on being in the equation. 
Well, they're gonna, I just, I just they, don't see how they they can fit that many outfielders into a roster. You can't. They're certainly not saying that that they're not going to use Frazier at all. Like they're hopeful that he's back. I mean, no, granted, no, you. But you, what you, I'm you, saying is, you, you can't, can't rely on it. You can't but, use all of them, though. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm agreeing with you. If that's my point is, is if they're, if they're actually saying that, <laughs> that's a bunch of horse shit because. Frazier is absolutely there and, and in the plans and they have already expected or they've already talked about him being um, them expecting him to be ready to go for spring training. Like that is their full expectation right now. So if you're bringing Ellsbury back and you're bringing him part of this team, that outfield is insanely crowded, insanely crowded. And yep. Gardner can do everything Ellsbury can do everything and vice versa. So I mean, I would say that Gardner plays left field much better than Ellsbury, but Gardner could play center. It's a, uh, it's, 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 it's they were, they were, they're redundant players from day one. That's why it was a dumbass contract for Ellsbury. Yeah. But, but Ellsbury think... had pop. Ellsbury hit like, oh, well, yeah, he, he had that 30, 30 home run year. Uh, but that I'm sure Scott Boris had uh, nothing to do with. Right. I'm sure his minions were not slipping anything in Ellsbury's pregame uh, shakes. But, but with, do you think that this part of this is that uh, Cashman, when he just wanted some insurance with Gardner, and he got him for a little bit cheaper uh, than he was going to have to pay him anyway, the $3 million bucks is saved, um, and he just now this is insurance for the outfield next year? I guess. It, it's, it's something. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It just it, To me, well, let it, me, it looked like they were going to go. I, I, really, I still think that they need to improve – um, they needed to add a bat, a, a bat that that brings something different to this lineup. And you're you're bringing back Brett Gardner now. You literally have the same outfield, so you really at this point now you need Frazier to be healthy, because because now he's your right-handed bat. And if you're gonna do any kind of a, a, a platoon or anything like that, uh, even if Ellsbury were there, which wouldn't make sense because how how are you gonna fit both Frazier and Ellsbury there? But Frazier's your right-handed bat, so. Maybe they're relying on that, but to me, then then where's your insurance? Because you're not bringing anybody else at that point. So let me ask you this question. I think, by the way, you've been talking. I think I know your answer. Does bringing back Gardner solve a problem or create a problem? It creates problems. Yeah, it's it absolutely. I agree. Does. I agree with you. And it's 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 not that I dislike Brett Gardner. I I like Brett Gardner. It's but what it, the player is right now. I mean, but take it's his what name the player out of the is equation. And what, what you need for 2019 on this team is, is not Brett Gardner. You know what's funny is that part of the uh, part of the reason I thought that that maybe at some point they're going to bring Brett Gardner back because of like the fact that he's the longest tenured Yankee. They want to keep him as a Yankee and all these things, right? Well, and Gardner talked about playing four more years when he was uh, talking with CC. Well, that and was Rico. after last year, where yes. he finished much stronger last year than he did this year. But it's still he was talking about four more years, and so so if if the Yankees if El, or if um, if Gardner let's theoretically wants to play another two to three years, he's going somewhere else anyway. He's not if if they were to bring him back after this year, it would be very surprising, considering it's a one year deal and with all of the uh, you know what's what's in the minor leagues at this point, it would be very it was surprising to me that they even brought him back this year, honestly. Um, so I, I I'm wondering what the plan is here in the outfield, unless it's. You know we're 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 going all in now on on, on Clint Frazier being healthy, and it, it it might only be a couple of million dollars, but do you think the Yankees overpaid Brett Gardner with it's the seven pro- and a half? Eh, like if he if they just bought him out for the two million, what and another team signed him, what would they have signed him for? I'd say about that. I mean, Hatcheria got how much last year? It was five point nine. But yeah, I, I'd say Brett, Brett Gardner about five is, or six. There's there's a um there's a a piece of him that's still. You know the the fact of what he's done in his career and the the you know the grittiness of a player and he's still a damn good uh, outfielder, so I, I think he would get that somewhere else as well. Yeah, I it's I wasn't um, surprised, but I was. I uh, it, it raises more questions than it does solve answers for me for going into next year, which um, is going to be interesting because now a lot of people are also saying this takes them out of the running for Harper. I don't think they were really in the running for Harper anyway, but unless some piece on this team moves, then you can certainly say they're not going to be in on Harper. Well, yeah, I mean, I didn't think they were going to be in on Harper in the first place, but the, uh, it's just, you know, when you're looking at the amount of, uh, of guys in this outfield and now you add Brett Gardner back to the team and he's, um, 
It's it's uh when you're when you're looking at at the at the contract though, and if that's what takes, if that's what people think takes the Yankees out of Harper, like don't don't think that. It's not the money. It's it's not it's the money. The it's the body. player. It's the player. Right. It's the roster spot. There's there's still a lot of things that can happen here, right? Like there's there absolutely are things that can happen. You may I mean Cashman may find somebody that's that's still in love with Clint Frazier and and is confident that he's gonna be back and. Who knows? There could be a deal um, moving moving Clint Frazier, and there's still another outfield spot. But Ellsbury think... could retire. Who knows? They could they could they could get a settlement and oh, and God, just I agree. Would hope, I would hope that Ellsbury retires. That means they're out of that money. Well, I'm He's saying there would be retired. there would be some there would be some kind of a settlement. There wouldn't be just a flat out. Let's retirement. be let's be honest. The only way that the Yankees are in on Harper is if Stanton's not on this team next year. Yeah, I mean probably, and I don't see how that's a Definitely. possibility. Definitely. I don't personally think the Yankees are going to spend that much money on another player for 10 years plus. Well, it wouldn't be another way. player because if if you trade Stanton, I, I'm assuming that team would be taking the money or else what's the point of trading Stanton? No, I'm talking about with Stanton. I'm saying it's not a, it's not a, a real, it's not a reality having two guys at this point making that much money for that long of a time when you have, when you have all of these guys on the horizon that are going to need new contracts very soon. Just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and Hal Steinbrenner talked to Joel Sherman. There was an article where he was quoted a bunch of different times talking about some different topics. One of them was about those long-term contracts, and he said, we are not afraid of 10-year contracts. Just look at what we agreed to take on for Stanton last year. So he still believes, Steinbrenner does, you can build a winner for under $200 million. But he also said if if uh, us going over $200 million, to win a championship is necessary, I will do it. Yeah, so he said nothing. <laughs> so he talked out of both he said sides exactly, of his mouth. He said exactly what you, everybody knew he was going to say. He's not. If he had said, I will not spend over $200 million, there would be a riot. <laughs> Look, they're, if they see a, an, if they identify a situation where they find a, a player and, and they think the return is a, a valuable... Uh, return for the New York Yankees and has a much better opportunity and puts them over the over the top to win a World Series, then they'll make the move. The Yankees make more money if the Yankees win a World Series. No, no doubt about it. It doesn't matter how many how big their payroll is. When you win a World Series, the amount of money that comes to your team is insane through marketing and like the amount of other things that happen. the 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 amount of money that gets said, like the Red Sox right now, are are just rolling in cash like exactly do you think the red sox are upset about spending 230 no. million dollars no no championships bring ridiculous amount of money so they they will spend the money if they if they believe that that it's going to put them over the top but it's got to be the right move it's got to be the right player and they've got to be you know they've got to be right saying that this guy does put us over the top and when i'm looking at the offense and i'm looking at the the guys that everybody's talking about machado and and harper unless something is different with the the guys that are currently on the team I don't see how that makes us that much better to to be in position for a championship. Personally, I, I think that the pitching side still needs a ridiculous amount of work, and that's where uh, you're going to get you're going to get a much higher percentage chance of winning a World Series. Yeah, and we we had been saying for a couple of years that the Yankees are eyeing this free agent class to get under the luxury tax so they can be in on guys like Harper and Machado, but that was. 2016 that was yeah. before the emergence of Sanchez and Aaron Judge and and Duhar and Glaber Torres like I mean, Glaber Torres wasn't even on the Yankees when when we were talking about that so things have changed the position player outlook on this team has changed and the needs on this team have changed so you can't just say that oh the Yankees are under the luxury tax for a reason and that's for Harper or for Machado because that's not the reality anymore well and it's it's you know they all, Again, people, I think, sometimes get confused about the luxury tax situation. Like, the reason they did it was so that it would reset and it will help them not only this year, but into the future. It's it's a it's a number that, you know, will, will be less for the Yankees moving forward as well. There's The penalty won't be as great. So it, it helps them out, um, not just this year, but, but moving forward as well. And if they can keep, um, a, you know, relatively managed uh, payroll, then they can identify players that help them for their particular needs. And when you're looking at those guys, that's just, to me, that's not the need. That's not the need at all. Uh, so if they identify areas where they can go out and spend more money on pitching, then great. Then they can use this, the fact that they got under the luxury tax and they're saving all this money on the penalty 
and apply it to some pitching, whether it's uh, you know acquisition through trade and they take on a contract, which you know we'll talk about in a little bit with the the, the possibility of Cleveland saying, hey, you know we're open for business, basically. Um, you know there are other avenues to go to acquire things that you need for your team than free agency. If we don't see it on the free agent market, that doesn't mean it's not available. I mean, look what happened last year with Stanton. Look what the uh, the Red Sox did with Sale. Like there are opportunities to make trades. <clears throat> but but. Steinbrenner, the way he talks, he said that he believes you can build a winner for under two under two hundred million dollars. So the luxury tax just happens to be around two hundred million dollars. It was one hundred ninety seven last year. It's going to be like two hundred five next year. So that two hundred number, I don't think, is just pulled out of thin air. No, he he's saying under two hundred million dollars, talking about the luxury tax. You agree? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Right. It's it's certainly I, on their and on their I mind. believe him when he says, "I think we had a championship caliber team this year for under two hundred million dollars." I believe you can build a sustainable winner for under two hundred million dollars. So it, it's not like just something that he. I think if it were up to him, he would. I believe that he's trying to do that. That he thinks that that's possible. It is. I, possible. I certainly believe that. What do you, it's not. It's, it is possible. You oh, I think it's possible to too. Spend. You don't have to spend what the Red Sox spent to win. I mean, it's it helps, but you don't have to. I mean, look at look at the Astros last year. They they won last year, and they didn't spend over two hundred million dollars. And I agree with Steinbrenner. The Yankees had enough talent on this team to win a championship. They just didn't play well. A right. lot of, I mean, I don't think it was the best possible team they could have built, but I I think it was good enough if things went well, and they didn't go well. No, there there were. Uh... Things did not things did not work out well as far as as far as injuries as far as uh, guys playing well at certain at certain at the at the right times, and you know just overall overall play was just not good at the end of the season and and that's the reason and that's the not, talent on the team nothing was to good do with how much money they spent right that, that, I, just I because totally if they agree. had spent one hundred and twenty million dollars it wouldn't have changed the fact that that they couldn't hit with runners in scoring position right. I totally agree. I just don't think that this this two hundred million dollars. I, I think it's um we're just looking at this number as as a target. I think that's what they're looking at. That it's a target. It's an over under. They would like to be there, but if something if a nice shiny object comes into their view and they think it's going to help them, they will go after it with no questions. Not a big deal. So again, it's just really a target in my opinion. I think that's what he's he's referring to. Like yeah, he thinks he can do it. Um, Especially now with all of their you know cheap contracts and and young talent, now is the time you can certainly do it. Um, but it you know again they're not going to pass up something that that they believe will will help this team and put them over the edge. And maybe Harper and Machado are those. Maybe they're not. Uh, Steinbrenner kind of talked about Machado. He was asked about uh, some of the lack of hustle, dirty plays that Machado portrayed uh displayed during the the playoffs and and you said that kind of stuff regardless of who the player is in any trade or free agent acquisition these are questions we're asking the analytics the pro scouting are always uh talking are always taking temperature personality motivation how good a teammate someone is uh do they understand what is expected of them by the New York Yankees and by the fans of New York City? It does matter and it will be no different this year. So he may have said a lot of nothing, or he may have said that what Machado did in the playoffs rubbed him the wrong way, and they don't feel good about potentially giving him three hundred million dollars. So when they take his temperature, are they taking it like up his uh, ass? Under the tongue. Under the tongue. <laughs> under on. the tongue? Yeah. The um He's civilized. This is. I mean, I have a, a one year old. We don't do it under the tongue. The uh, they're they're looking at all these things. Shoot. What's that? Up the poop shoot. Up the poop shoot. That's the only way to get it. Uh, actually, in the ears, another way. But the um, they're going to look at, at at temperament of the player as well. They're going to look at all of these things. They're they're making sure that the the team the player is going to fit in New York. I mean, look what happened this past year with Sonny Gray. Obviously, it didn't work out. Obviously, they found a guy that didn't work in New York. This has happened in the past. Uh, so they're going to look at all of these things. I don't think that what was said or what was done by Manny Machado really changed much in their eyes on how they feel about the player, though. I, I, I think a lot of that was blown out of proportion to make him a villain for some reason to somebody, and I don't think he's that guy. I, I disagree. I think because a lot of... Uh, a- big part of these mega contracts are fan perception and 
how the fan will fans will react to you giving a player 10 years or 8 years at 200 plus million dollars. And if they're not going to be happy with that then I don't think teams are going to be willing to spend it. I see I don't I definitely don't agree with this. Okay, so you're telling me that they're I don't think that they consider what fans are going to think of contracts when they sign them personally. I don't think that even goes into the equation. I think if they bring in Manny Machado, there's going to be a buzz and an excitement because they're bringing in a very good player and they're still going to pack the stadium. That's all they're concerned about. They're going to sell gear. They're going to sell Machado jerseys. That will happen. So I'm not really, I'm not really thinking the fact like they're, they're taking into consideration what we all think uh, based on, you know, how are the fans going to react to us in eight years? Like, I don't think that's really much of a, they're focusing on the fact that if they bring in Machado now and it's a long-term contract, can we win one, maybe two World Series? Because then it doesn't matter. That's, that's, that's to me what they're looking at. But when you sign a player for a decade and then that player goes out and doesn't hustle or does something that's quote-unquote dirty, whether yeah. that's spiking the first baseman or stealing signs, which I don't think is dirty, but some no. people may consider dirty, and then that that causes him to be on the back of the New York Post, and fans are flipping out about it. I don't think that's something that this any ownership would want. Right, but I, I don't. I, again, I think that everything that happened with Machado, I don't think he's that guy. I think a lot of that stuff was overblown. So I'm, overblown by who? By I mean, he said everybody. it. I'm not Johnny Hustle. He said those words. Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't mean he doesn't. That that's not he, he doesn't like go out and uh, he he's not when you're when he's talking about I'm not the Johnny Hustle guy like to me like the Johnny Hustle guy is like the guy that that like steamrolls it around the bases too uh, even <laughs> like for Brett home Gardner. runs like yeah. Brett Gardner diving like, in you know the first he's base. not he's not Brett Gardner he's not that guy he's still a guy that goes out there and plays hard he does all of those things so I, I think a lot of it was just taken a little bit out of context I think he's I've never ever seen him as a player who doesn't work hard like I've, I've never thought that about Manny Machado this year is the first year we talked about this before this year was the first year of any of these negative things about Machado have really come into play um, the first time you know, talking about the spotlight that's not true I mean the, the Orioles were in the were in the playoffs a, a, a decent amount like they had some good teams he played played hard and 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 made some ridiculous plays at third base like I don't see him as a dirty guy either that that the the um, play to, at first base was Whatever it was weird. The I just don't see him as a dirty guy. Um, so I don't think that they're 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 thinking that he's a dirty guy in that sense. I, I'm not. What I'm saying is I think everything that happened in this postseason doesn't matter. I think they already have a perception of the player, and I don't really think that's changed much. I think so you, they have to say a lot of the stuff to the media. Do you think a player can help his free agent case in the playoffs, but maybe not hurt it? I mean, look what happened to you, Darvish, man. He got that, what, six-year, $150 million contract after he sucked with the Dodgers last year and and has been injured for, it seems like, forever. And then he goes to the Cubs uh, with this long contract, gets hurt again. I mean, he didn't really hurt himself. He got a massive contract in a year that nobody was getting contracts. Exactly. Right. But but there's going to be players like Nathan Avaldi who absolutely helped himself. Oh, for playoffs. sure. And yeah. whatever Avaldi gets this offseason – will be because of what he did in October, not because of how he pitched uh, for the last year plus when he, before he had Tommy John surgery with the Yankees and, and, and uh, whoever else. No, they're going to see what happened when he, he pitched late in the season and how he pitched in the playoffs. And yeah, he's going to get paid because of that. There's no doubt about it. So you can so, help yourself in the playoffs. So to your you point, yes. Yourself. But I think you can hurt yourself depending on, on, on like who you are. You know what I mean? Like if you're, if you're not one of these top guys and you have a, um, I think you can hurt yourself, but as a Machado with, when you have a, uh, you know, when you have a, a past and you know how these guys you've, you've put, you've put the time in, you've, uh, you've put a lot of stats down on paper. You've, you've got the tape. They know who you are. I don't think you can hurt yourself then. It depends. It depends. Who, uh, it depends on the player. So whatever Machado gets this off season, it will be what he was going to get regardless. I think so. Yeah. And you're saying, you're saying, uh, with uh, without the out on the, uh, the 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 haze, all the shade that's being thrown at him, you're talking about that specifically, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't think that's going to matter at all. Yeah. And we'll never know, right? <laughs> like, unless he gets significantly less than Harper, I don't think we'll we'll ever know. I'm sure some GMs will, uh, will hear through the grapevines of people saying, "Oh, we were, you know, if it was a thing that you know we're, we took him off our board type of deal, like we're n- no longer interested in going after him." But um, there's only f- maybe five teams that would be in h- on him anyway. 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, who knows? But I, I, we probably will not find out. But I, I still don't think. Like, they see Machado as the player who he is. You know, that's him Him saying something stupid or him running down first base and, like, barely clipping a guy. It's not going to change anything. Yeah. Um, some other news this, this week because the qualifying offers were sent out. Um, seven players received them. It's actually less than previous years. Um, but that's partially due because of the the market currently like a player like Machado couldn't receive a qualifying offer because he was traded midseason. There were some rules put in place last year that um, will affect what draft pick compensation compensation teams get for these guys. So a lot of different factors here, but the qualifying offer is 17.9 million. It's a lot of what, money too. It's, well, they, they take it from the top guys that average the salary. Yeah. Which is getting out of control. So yeah. Corbin, Grundahl, Harper, Keiko, Kimbrell, Pollock and Ryu all got the qualifying offer. So if the Yankees signed Corbin, if they are in on Harper, um, I guess Keuchel you could consider in there too. Ryu, I don't know. Um, They're going to have to give up a draft pick. Yeah, and that's, you know, something that they don't like doing. I think that's, you know, I think this this does change a little bit of Corbin's market too. I I think that um, the fact that they do have to give a draft pick up now too, or whomever signs him, does play into the considerations of, of what he's going to get, but um, he, you know, he's he's probably certainly going to turn that down. Harper's obviously going to turn that down. Um, Grandall might might take that. Uh, Keuchel will probably turn it down. Kimbrel will turn it down. Pollock would be stupid if he didn't take that. And then Ryu, I would assume, would turn that down as well because uh, he's probably looking for a multi-year deal after um, you know he put together a pretty good year. So. It's it'll be interesting to see what these guys do, but and to see how that affects uh, Corbin's market because I mean I think that's the one that's most close to us. Ryu wouldn't be. I wanted to put him in my GM uh, plans. He was he was there in thought. Like I had him, you know, I was hovering over him for a little bit because I think he uh, he could be a good player for the Yankees, and I could see them being interested in him. He's thirty one. Yeah, and something about a soft throwing lefty. I don't know. Coming out of the National League scares me. Yeah, uh, he's. He's, uh, you know, maybe that's, <laughs> I was going to say, we have a soft throwing lefty that, that, uh, that they're looking to re- bring back on a one-year deal possibly. It's going to be a lot less than what Rio's going to get though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll be happy with their soft throwing lefty over, over a guy like Rio. See now, are they going to bring back, now they're going to bring back CC on a one-year deal. They got the, uh, the Gardner on a one-year Let's just bring back the, the exact team, same team. Do, do over. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Let's roll back. Do over. Yeah. With uh, maybe some guys not getting injured, hopefully, maybe and, not, and some some guys hitting over two hundred, that would be nice. But batting average doesn't matter. Like we established last week, it matters <laughs> when it's under two hundred. It matters when it's convenient. I got it. I got it. <laughs> um, Cleveland is uh, now budget conscious, so they are not offering a qualifying offer to Brantley, Andrew Miller, Cody Allen. And there were reports Buster only tweeted out that uh, faced with market constraints, the Indians will listen to trade offers for some of their veteran players this winter, including Kluber and Carrasco. And immediately the antenna of every Yankees fan went up when they saw those names, Kluber and yep. Carrasco. And they said, hmm, let no Brian Cashman it. get to work. Absolutely. I mean, this is this this changes this changes the ball game here with uh with the way the free agency is. Now we got a Corey Kluber possibility. I mean, let's add Kluber. Let's add Corbin. Boom, done. <laughs> the, like there we go. That's we just made our team so much better. I mean, I I I love it. I I do think that he should be going after um, one of two of these guys. The, the he should absolutely be having these talks. The freaking GM is uh is Mike Chernoff whose father owns CBS, who happens to be the radio, uh, the radio, the flagship radio home of the New York Yankees. So can we make oh, a deal? I'm sure here? he's thinking about that when he might be trading with the Yankees. I'm sure he's thinking about what the uh, Mike Francesa ratings will be in the afternoon. No, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, this is absolutely. Maybe he can get Brian some Cashman, sales if they, if they trade Kluber over here. They don't care about Francesa. Ka- <laughs> Cashman and, and Chernoff. You know, I'm sure they'll have a nice they'll have a nice dinner together. They'll talk about this, and then Dad's going to put some pressure on the kid. Let's mm-hmm. let's make this happen. This is this is. I mean, they're 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 from Jersey. You know, I I don't know if he grew up a, a Yankees fan or a Mets fan or a Phillies fan or what, but let's make this happen. I feel like there's uh, there's a lot of tight connections here. Kluber, Kluber would be a great deal. 
<laughs> Kluber's 32. Next year, he's going to make 17 million. Then he's got a couple team options, 17 and a half, and then 18 million dollars. And Carrasco's 31. Uh, uh, 9.75 million next year, and then a 9.5 team option for the year after that. So if you're trading for either of these guys, it's not a one-year thing. Right. Well, it could be. That's the beauty of these, both of these. And we were, we were looking at this before, right? The buyout for Kluber's a million bucks. And for Carrasco, it's around the same. It's a little less than that. But they're relatively reasonable buyouts as well. So if there were to be an injury or something like that, like you have a get-out-of-jail-free card, uh, well, not free for a million bucks, uh, to, to get out of the contract. So it's, it's really... Uh, attractive, I think, for a team that's trading for these guys because they're really under control for three years, you know, based on how the team feels about them. Or Kluber, yep. two years for Carrasco. I, I like, I like the way that these these deals are are, are laid out, and uh, you know, but they're both going to be playing for another contract. It also makes you think, like, what the hell is Cleveland doing? Because they're right. going to coast to that division championship again next year, and I think we've <laughs> not learned... if they don't have all the players. No, but I'm saying if you bring back Kluber and Carrasco, and you have your your if they could go next year with the exact same team and win that division by 10 games. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, they're by far the best team. So you're just going to you're just going to punt on that? Maybe maybe they hear the Rocco Baldelli footsteps. Yeah. Right. <laughs> they're they're uh, they're scared of what's going to happen in Minnesota. I mean, I it's it's obvious it's obvious that they're having uh that they're having money problems in, in Cleveland right now. I was kind I of like joking about this. Go, go yeah. For it. <laughs> it's uh, I'm saying uh, I'm saying this is kind of a LeBron effect. I'm Let's saying blame maybe, LeBron James, baby. Yeah, I love maybe, it. Maybe maybe the sports maybe the sports world in Cleveland now is taking a big hit that uh that LeBron has left and now people are just, you know, not really interested as much anymore, not spending as much money and just kind of laissez faire about things and they're uh they, they gotta they gotta exit themselves, spend a little, you know, spend a little less money these days. Not not as much enthusiasm around Cleveland sports. So but Baker uh, the Browns Mayfield, certainly are Baker Mania. Much. The Browns yeah. are back. They're they're going I, into overtime every week. I thought they're back. They're close to being back. They're they're yeah, I mean they beat the Jets. That's that's a that's a given. So that does not mean you're back. It's true, um, but no, you know this is uh, this is this is good news. I think for the Yankees, the fact that they are selling assets because they have a lot of very good players. Um, also, the fact that they didn't—I'm surprised that they didn't offer qualifying offers to some of these guys. Like Brantley, I'm surprised didn't get one uh, because I think he would have turned it down. Uh, so I'm surprised there. Andrew Miller, I'm not surprised. I think Andrew Miller now has changed change lanes and, and you know the way that uh, people look at it he might be looking at a one-year deal with incentives at this point just to prove that he can stay healthy so and he's an interesting player i was surprised at cody allen but then i looked at his season uh, i'm pulling it up again uh you know cody allen had a 4-7 era this year i didn't know that but i do remember him struggling quite a bit so it doesn't surprise me yeah so i mean i guess it makes sense then they brought in brad hand in the yep. in, during the season, and I guess they're just going to say hands are closer next year. But that Indians team could look a whole lot different. And if the Indians go back to being mediocre, well, then it's a three-team race. It's the Yankees, the Red Sox, and, and the Astros, and it's whoever the hell else. Well, and, and it'll be interesting to see how they do this. And and the fact that they're, they're kind of open for business on some of these players. I mean, they're still insanely talented with, with young guys. Like... Their uh, their core Lindor is not going and Ramirez anywhere. are still there. They're they're not going to trade those guys. And those but are two MVP caliber players. Hypothetical situation: you trade Corey Kluber away. That's saying we're not going to win in 2019. Yeah, I mean your your pitching definitely takes a huge hit at that point. <laughs> He's been one of the I best mean, pitchers in baseball the last four years. Maybe they're thinking Trevor Bauer took a, another big step this year, which he did, and, and that they're going to rely on. He's going to add another thousand RPMs on a spin rate. Yeah, you know, hope take take all the drones away from the guy, and and hopefully that he can kind of fill into that spot. But uh, I don't really know what their minor league system is. If they're expecting someone to come up, I'm not really sure. But um, I think this this also puts them in a in a in a position to to see what you got. You know what I mean? Like, what do you what is everybody going to be offering? Because you you put the name Kluber out there, and now he's the best pitcher on the market, and now you're in the driver's seat with uh with with trying to get. You know, uh, we're trying to get assets back for a guy like Corey Kluber or Carrasco. I mean, Carrasco is is a very interesting guy too because you're looking at him. Also had a good season, 31 years old, and is controlled for two years now with the second year being a team option at very reasonable under both under 10 million dollars, nine seven five and nine point five. Like 
that's really enticing. And I bet they, they would get a, um, a nice little haul for that. Yeah, and he pitched 192 innings this year and 200 innings the year before. So Yeah. So I think that, you know, you know, maybe they trade one of two and not both, uh, but floating both of them out there to see what the best option is for them. See, as far I think as what if you're going to trade one, you trade both. <laughs> maybe. But they're still in a, in a position where they could win if you're trading just one. Yes. And we have a couple mailbag questions about the Cleveland situation. We're going to get into that. But before we do, I just want to say... Uh, remind you guys to rate and review the podcast uh, wherever it is you listen. If it's on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever, uh, give us a rating. Uh, if you've been listening for a long time, throw us those five stars, a nice written review that really helps out. Scott and I enjoy reading them, but most importantly, they allow more people to see the show, listen to the show, which uh, allows us to create more shows. Also, submit mailbag questions. We're going to be doing mailbags every episode throughout the offseason. BronxPinstripes.com slash podcast. You can submit the mailbags there, or you can tweet us at Yankees Podcast. You can post them on Facebook in the Bronx Pinstripe Show Facebook group. First question is from Elijah Palmer. What kind of package would it take to get Kluber or another pitcher from the Indians, and do you think Cashman will go for it? And let's just read this next one, too, from Onassis Cabrera at underscore Onak on Twitter. Would you guys give up Andujar for Kluber? Um, this is uh, so we're looking at what the halls would possibly be for Kluber. And I was looking back, we were, we were talking before we started recording uh, and just looking back to see how old sale was when he got traded from the White Sox to the Red Sox. Because if you're looking at the caliber of player, I mean, I'd say that they're that, you know, that's a pretty good comp um, uh, sale. We realized was what three years younger at the time of the trade. Um he was 28, and Kluber's going to be... 31? 32 next year. Oh, 32, so four years difference. Yep. Um, so when you're looking at talent, it's it's you know pretty close, but as far as years, um, it's uh, obviously Kluber's older, but he is you know controlled for three years at, um, at decent money. So I, it's going to be a big haul, and, and you're looking at what the Red Sox gave up. They gave up their, their number one prospect in Makata. Not just their and, number one, the number one in baseball. In baseball, yeah. And then uh, and then the, the pitching prospect, their number one pitching prospect, too. Um, the kid that was throwing 105 miles per hour, uh, or whatever it was, he was trying to trying to be the the hardest throwing jackass <laughs> in baseball, I guess, because it's not working well. For I'm him. looking up his name right now, because Michael Kopech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was. What was he saying? He was. He was like throwing. He wanted to throw 109 or something stupid. It was like it was like a circus act. Whatever. Um, he's not healthy. It's shocking. His arm. His arm. <laughs> yeah, is, he has I arm think he's problems. got some elbow issues. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, would I give up Andujar for Kluber? Yes, I would. Yes. I would give up Andujar for Kluber because okay. uh, I think they could fill third base. Uh, at that point, when you're looking at that, then all of a sudden Manny Machado <laughs> does make sense. Um, but Corey Kluber is a difference maker, I mean, a big-time difference maker on a team that I think is already very good, that has uh, an offense that can do things. You add uh, Corey Kluber to the rotation of the Yankees, uh, and, it, and it changes a lot of things, I think. And I don't think it would just take Andujar. I think you're talking about Andujar plus some other prospects. Maybe Clint yeah. Frazier. Maybe the Indians want Clint Frazier back in their system. But you're not going to get him for just Andujar. And and also the Indians have uh, Jose Ramirez, right? So yeah. he they can don't play multiple a, positions too. They don't need a third base. But, but what I'm saying is, if they if they see Andujar, they might not see Andujar as, as a third baseman, <laughs> right? They might see him as a first baseman or or even a, a DH or an outfielder. But yeah. they might say, no, we don't want Andujar. We want we want Glaber Torres, or, or we want Sheffield plus. Actually, Sheffield's from from the Indians too. From right? there, yeah, as well. So the, yeah, they have two uh, Yankees have two players that they know very well. Um, it would be that would be that would be some shit right there if Sheffield got traded back to them in a in a Kluber deal. I'd do that in a second. Uh, but the um, I, it's going to take obviously a uh, a very high prospect. I mean, Mateo would be floated into this as well. Um, he's back playing again in the Arizona Fall League. So, you know, include his name in there. Um, definitely include uh, pretty much any any level of prospect from the Yankees. They're, you know, they're, they're going to ask for the, for, the, for the moon for Corey Kluber. Um, but he might be worth it. Yeah. And, and I think, like you said, he's the, he's the difference maker that they're looking for. He's a guy that's, that's even when he's not right, can can pitch and get you through seven innings like he's that type of guy 
and I love I love those I love those guys. Like he is a true ace to me. He's a horse. He goes out there and will give you um you know, he'll give you good innings. Any so, concerns about his rocky postseason roughed up in his last three postseason starts? Yeah. Two of them the against the Yankees and yeah, then one this year against the Astros. Yeah, I was going to say the Yankees are the ones that did it, the majority of the damage. Um, but no, I, I don't think, I don't think I'm putting too much stock into it. But because we've seen him pitch well, um, but we've and, also uh, seen guys who have had no postseason history go on to be one of the key difference makers in the Red Sox winning a World Series. Talking about Nathan Avaldi here. <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, not talking so, about talking about the guy that we openly mocked when he gave up the the game two home run to Aaron Judge. And then he turned his entire life around. You know, Nathan Avaldi's a free agent. Yeah, no thanks. If if you haven't noticed that, oh, maybe noticed. there's maybe there's a reunion and in, in, uh, that's coming back. That has never worked for the Yankees. Bringing a guy back for the second time. So so they're due. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was pretty. He was he wasn't bad the first time. It wasn't terrible. Neither I'd, was I'd Javier was, Vasquez. I'd say it was pretty good. Vasquez wasn't bad the first time. Yeah. Evaldi is a different story than Vasquez. Evaldi um, has a robot arm now, so it's a different story. That's true. There's, there's no human left in that, in that right <laughs> arm. Is. Exactly. Uh, John says, after seeing D-Rob's statement on representing himself in free agency, do you think he'd be? Uh, do you think he'd still take a hometown discount to stay in New York? So I said he would take a hometown discount because he fired his agent, and then he put that uh, statement on MLB trade rumors basically saying, I know what I want. I think I have a good um, perception on what my market value is. I want to represent myself at this point in my life. Yeah. Um, So, so, so that's, I I don't think he would take a hometown (laughs) discount. Yeah. You know, this, I I just don't, I think he would be losing a lot of money if he, if he, uh, if he came back to the Yankees for, you know, what he could get somewhere else. I think that, what did I say? The less than what he could get. I said like one year, 9 million. Yes. Yeah. I I think it's going to take away more than that. Plus, I think it's years, gonna, he's going to get a three-year. Yeah, I okay. think he's going to get a three-year deal, uh, two to three-year deal with maybe a third year as an option. But uh, I think, and I think he's going to get more money than that too. I don't know. I, I just I think that at this point, he like he said he wrote that article on MLB trade rumors, and he said basically that uh, he's writing his own articles now too. He's his own press team. He's his own agent. He's his own guy. He he runs. He and his wife run uh, the nonprofit high high socks high hopes for high socks or high socks for high hopes. High something socks like that. for hope. They so they do everything. They're they're just a machine over there. The Robinson family. Um, you know, he's he's obviously going to go out there and prove, trying to prove himself right. Right. I mean, like he's going to go. He's going to go out there with with the intent to try to get as much money as he possibly can uh, to put himself in a position that he can, and, and prove the fact that this worked, that he can you know, represent himself. Well, I feel like he's, when he's also got that now. Usually when a player fires his agent, it's because he knows he's on his, he's going to be signing his last contract and he's more concerned with where he plays than how much he plays for. But that doesn't sound like the case after reading that. So, so fine. I was wrong about that. Like, I still think the Yankees <laughs> should be interested in bringing him back. No, I just don't think, I think if the money's going to be too much, that's, that's the problem or the years I think is the, is the problem. I think the years are the problem for the Yankees. Let some other team, overextend themselves then yeah but i mean he's a guy that's going to be good uh i think for another two to three years i i, I think that he's, he's 33 got that yeah so 35 36 I, I think he could definitely pitch you see relievers go that way all the time he's a he could be a junk baller at the end of his career big time and he's been mostly healthy yeah and he's been good and really haven't really had you know much of a fall off no i thought he was good this year yeah i think so too and he's reliable he's, he's one of those guys that you can you can depend upon <clears throat> Damian Foxton says, what is your take on using pine tar to increase spin rate? Are some teams, Boston, Houston, doing it better than others? If the MLB aren't really, uh, go, if MLB is not really going to police it, should the Yankees be better at exploiting it? So we're talking about spin rate and we're saying, so now we're assuming that the Astros are using pine tar to increase the spin rate. That's what uh, these guys are doing. That's what Trevor and how, Bauer said. Yeah. So that uh, I'm just saying, I'm just, prefacing this uh this this little discussion with uh, assumptions here <laughs> so 
I do think that a lot of teams use it. I think a lot of players do use it, and I don't think anybody cares. They've flat out asked some of these guys, uh, some of the offensive players, do you care if these guys are using Pintar to get a better grip on the ball? And the majority of the time, these guys are like, no, I don't care. I would rather them have control of the ball and not hit me in the head, uh, especially when the when it's cold outside, if, if it is a little bit of an agent to get them a better grip on the ball so that they're not throwing lasers at our heads or at our the rest of our body, then fine. They don't care. They just don't care. And I think that's probably uh, the the same sentiment you get from a, the majority of major leaguers. Yeah, but that's that, that's different than uh, using it to. I don't want to say cheat, but but using it to gain an advantage, right? Well, that's what they're doing. They're they're using it to gain an advantage. But when the players talk about it, they say, "Well, if it's if thirty six degrees outside and the player needs to get a better grip on the ball, fine." I, the argument there is that why can a player use pine tar on their bat to get a better grip on the bat if the player if the pitcher can't get a better grip on the ball? That's part of the argument. Uh, I've heard it before on other things, and you know if you're going to fight that argument, it's well if you add more grip to the ball and it's and it's stickier, then you're obviously you can increase the spin rate. You can um, you can put the ball you know where you want it, and and at that point when you know what's coming and the batter doesn't, there's a huge advantage on the pitcher side. Um, well, the spin rate, I think, is a big thing. I feel like spin rate exploded this year, at least as far as common knowledge of what spin rate does and how it makes pitchers better. Right? Like, like right. we didn't talk about spin rate two years ago. I mean, I think all of these, I think we're seeing new stats and, and, and things like that all right, the time. Right, but and now you, we know that the, if, you're, if your fastball is spinning faster, it means you're going to be better. It, 99 miles an hour at average spin rate will get hit. 96 miles an hour at increased spin rate will not get hit. I think That's it's being like, talked about now, but I think a lot of the scouting departments, a lot of them, sure, they all fine. had this I'm stuff. Sure they, they knew, they knew I'm it. I'm sure they knew about that. And I'm sure they discussed it. But now we know it as fans, as casual fans and whatever. People watching at home, sitting at home, drinking beer, watching the game. They know about spin rate now. Right. So now we're all looking for pine tar. Where do you even buy pine tar? You know, just go down to the store and get some pine tar. Sports Authority. Go down to your your general store. Does Sports Authority even in business anymore? I might I might do some tests with pine tar. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. my elbow will be blown. Doesn't matter what's on my fingers. <laughs> it doesn't matter at all. Three just, pitches gone. <laughs> I need something to uh, calculate the spin rate. That's going to be the difficult part. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It'll be and and to to see that there's any kind of accuracy. I don't even know how you would do this. I'm gonna ask Leanne to just slow mo it and then just count tr- it. Try and, and count count the, count the rotations. <laughs> you could probably, yeah, you could do it on an Apple phone. Just slow mo the yeah. ball and count count exactly. the, literally iPhone, count the rotations. iPhone 10 spin rate app. All right, <laughs> Ben. Did you guys see the Marlins reporter who proposed a Sanchez for Real Muto trade? What are your thoughts? So Joe Frazario. MLB.com reporter for the Marlins said, I still think the Yankees could be very possible match for the Marlins JT Real Muto. It could be a nice change of scenery um, scenario. If the Yankees offered Sanchez and say pitching prospect Luis Medina, uh, that could be a starting point for the potential deal. So we're giving up more now. Mm-hmm. So they, so they want, they want a, a younger Longer controlled, yep. better offensive catcher from the Yankees, plus uh, Medina, who's one of our top pitching prospects mm-hmm. for uh, for Riamuto. Yep, sounds like two a great years deal. of control for Riamuto. Twenty seven years old, two more controls, uh, control years. Sanchez only twenty five, four more right. team control years. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think a straight up deal that Derek Jeter and the Marlins would do that. <laughs> I mean, there's no doubt that Marlins would do that. It's a, it's a deal, especially considering the guy has said he does not want to be in Florida and wants to get traded. Trade yeah. me. You could tell this triggered a lot of Yankee fans. Finally, there was something to unite the Yankees fans on Gary Sanchez. Yeah, because they were, they were split, right? A lot of Yankee fans didn't like Gary Sanchez, but you just have some outsider talk shit about Gary Sanchez, and boom, everyone's back on El Kraken's side. Yeah, you, you, you got you to gotta propose something that's not utterly ridiculous. Um, I mean, you're, you're, you're sending two, you're sending a, a franchise type player that the Yankees, yes, he's coming off of a bad season. Everybody knows that. Also, Brian Cashman usually doesn't sell at the, unless your name is Sonny Gray. Um, at that point with this much control and as young as he is, 
just 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 stop. I mean, he, just Cashman stop, Joe. already also said he's not trading Gary Sanchez. Right. Yeah, no, they're not trading Gary Sanchez. They're certainly not trading him to uh, the Derek Jeter-led uh, Florida Marlins for another catcher that's controlled for less years and is older. And then, oh, oh, by the way, also, I'm going to give you one of our best pitching prospects. No, right. none of this is happening. Final question, Anthony M. Why do you think no team has repeated as champion since the 2000 Yankees? The closest we've had is the Giants who won in 2010, 2012, and 2014. It's even hard to make it to back-to-back World Series. The Dodgers did it this year and the Rangers a few years ago. Um, I just think it's, uh, it's, it's a long season and there is a ton of competition and uh, it's hard to do that twice. That's, that's, I don't think there's really any like, rhyme or reason. You've got to have a very deep team to do that. And free agency you know, definitely makes, uh, makes your, your roster change quite a bit, especially with, with the amount of moves that happen now at the trade deadlines and there's just a lot of things that happen. It's very difficult to, to, to be your best team for as long as you, for that entire season, twice in a row with, with everybody coming at you. It's just very difficult to do. I think it's a con- conspiracy that goes all the way to the top. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that after watching the baseball playoffs for many, many years, you have to be lucky. You have to be good. You have to be good to get there. And you have to be good to win. But things also have to go your way. And they didn't go the, the Astros' way this season, and that's, that's one of the reasons the Astros lost. The Red Sox got all the breaks. That's one of the reasons they won. I think that's just the unfortunate reality of the baseball playoffs. Well, I mean, it's again, I think that staying healthy is a big deal as well because you look at what happened with uh, and, and just off the field stuff, like things that you don't think of. Look at the, when the Cubs won the World Series. Everybody's looking at that team and like, damn, these guys are going to win. Uh, you know, not not two, not three, not four. Like they have a really good young team, and now they have pitching as well. They have a, a team that could compete for years, and um, they're going to be very difficult for years. And they just haven't put it together again. They've 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 had injuries. They had a, sh- a shortstop who's had off the field issues who could didn't even play in the playoffs. They've had um, you know they went and signed you Darvish, and he's been in and out with injury. Like these things happen, so. I think it's I think that's you know it's such a long season and to keep everybody healthy and and going at one thing I think a lot of that is luck to get everybody going at the same time, um, but even when you're looking at a team like that that has such a young nucleus, you know even they can't get to uh, you know even the uh, the NLCS they couldn't get they couldn't get to uh, the, the the point before the World Series for God's sakes so it's um I just think it's a, it's really really hard to do you know for as long as the season is. Uh, I think when you're looking at some of these other pro sports and, and you see their seasons and they're a lot, they're a lot shorter, um, it's a little bit easier. That's baseball, Susan. That is baseball. You know, one thing we, we did skip over one. I thought I want to talk about it real quick, though. Michael Brantley is an interesting player. And, and uh, Josh, Pay, uh, Josh Pazer asked, he said, at uh, Pazer underscore Josh, do you think the Yankees should go after Brantley? And when I saw that they, uh, Brantley did not get a qualifying offer, which I thought, he was going to for sure because he had a good year um, and now he's not going to cost any draft pick consider, uh, compensation. And, but now that the, the Yankees have gone and signed Brett Gardner, I, I really think that the, a guy like Brantley would fit this team perfectly. I mean, the, the, the type of hitter he is, he makes a lot of contact. Um, and, but now the fact that they've signed Brett Gardner and Brantley, you know, if you look at all of the projections for what he's getting, it's around 10 million for a deal. Uh, you know, it's a two-year. I know, year but deal, I maybe? think a part of that is because there's so much injury history with him. I guess, and he's 31. He's 31, and is a team going to be willing to commit four years to him? I don't think it's, it's going to take four years, though. I think it's a two to three year, three year max. Um, but I think he can be got for for two years. But you're right, there's an injury history there. But when you're looking at the type of player, and we're trying to fix things on the Yankees, right? We're trying to fix things and, and have this team be better. And 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 more of a, a fluid offense and and a team that can that can hit in different situations. Like a guy like Brantley would help that. He, he I, had I think a very good a, year. Yeah. He. Um. I'm looking at his stats now. So he only struck out 60 times in 600 631 plate appearances. Left-handed hitter hit over 300. Um. 17 home runs. So yeah, very good year. But again, is he a switch hitter or is he just a lefty? No, he's just a left-handed hitter. But. But but again, like I, I think Brian Cashman is is I just don't think he's 
in the it's not in his way now. The the new Brian Cashman is not going to commit big years, big dollars to thirty plus year olds. It's not gonna that, happen. But that's my point. I don't think he's gonna take big years and big dollars. I think he's gonna be a pretty reasonable contract for two, possibly three years at max. But a two we'll year see. deal we'll see what he gets. And I think him not getting a qualifying offer makes he means he will get more than maybe he was going to get anyway. Right? Because a team was will be willing to commit more to him because they don't have to give up the draft pick. So that helps Brantley. It helps these players who don't get these qualifying offers that we're going to turn them down anyway. They don't want those offers. Right. Well, maybe unless he, uh, unless there's, you know, a reason, another reason why they didn't want to give him that contract. Um, but yes, you're, yeah, it gives because, him more flexibility because for the sure. owner is in a huge gambling debt. And yeah, uh, it's he lost, because he lost it's a lot because of LeBron. LeBron James left and he had a restaurant that tanked because it was right outside. Uh, the arena in Cleveland, and everyone used to go there after Cavs games. Now no one's going to Cavs games. So no one's eating at the restaurant. Right. Yep, and it's infested with rats. Yep. And he's gotten hit by the uh, the commission, the health commission now. He's yep. screwed. And talking about Guy Fieri's coming in. He wants to buy the restaurant, and he doesn't want to take it to Flavortown. A whole bunch of stuff. Sell the team. Sell the team. Sell Kluber. Sell Carrasco. Sell them all. Don't Terry offer any qualifying. You know, contracts. I did have someone say uh, after the Cleveland news came out, they said, "Well, can Terry Francona manage the Yankees?" <laughs> oh man, uh, it's it'll be it'll be interesting to see how badly uh, they need money <laughs> in Cleveland. You know, this this could be a uh, an interesting development because they have a lot of good players. Yeah, I think it's going to be overblown. I think this was a report that someone had some sort of inside information, and I, I don't see them trading Kluber or Carrasco. We'll see. Turn off. Make the deal. <laughs> All right. Any uh, last words before we get out of here? No, it just, you know, we're seeing how things are uh, are panning out. That's it. We're just, we're on, uh, we're on watch, I guess. Everybody's on watch. Let's see what happens. We're on high alert until we're meeting. Let's go, Cashman. Talk to you guys. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.